Hello and welcome to, or welcome back to Hack Your Universe. It's Sarah. It's not Friday, but that's okay. It's not that serious. I'll get episodes out when I can. You don't care. There are no rules. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. And a couple things I want to say before we begin. First of all, I got a microphone and I'm feeling very cool. I feel like I'm I'm playing the part. You know, I don't know if it's on or working correctly, but I guess we're going to find out. Hopefully I sound better. And although I am looking the part in some ways, I also felt like I needed to tell you that I have been recording these episodes in my closet. I'm sitting on the floor, lights off, door closed, um, just, just vibing. I don't know. I just felt like we needed to get on the same page about that. So now that those things are out of the way, we are going to talk about probably my favorite thing in the history of everything today, which is the beautiful and magical practice of yoga or yogurt, as I like to call it. So growing up, I tried basically every activity there was, swimming, gymnastics, dance, soccer. I even got up to a green belt in Taekwondo for some reason, but nothing I did stuck. I just dabbled around. And my sisters had the exact opposite experience, so they really connected with swimming. And my parents swam their whole lives into college. That's how they met. And it made sense for everyone else in my family, but I just did not really like it. I preferred to do cartwheels in the water and pull on the lane rope during backstroke and such. But my mom really likes to tell the story of me going in to tell my coach that I was quitting. I went in and I looked her dead in the eyes and I was like, yeah, I just don't really like you telling me what to do. And that tracks 100% because I became a yogi and it is all about the self. So my yoga practice really began when I was a freshman in high school, and one day in world history class, my good friend was like, hey, do you want to go to hot yoga with me tonight? And I was like, hot yoga? Sure. That sounds awful, but yeah, let's do it. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. I, I left the room. I was like, absolutely not. But immediately after it was over, I was like, when can I do that again? And then I went again and again and again, and here we are. I practiced all through high school, and When I graduated, I ended up doing my first teacher training and I didn't really have any big desire to be a teacher. I kind of just wanted to learn more, but the stars had other plans for me and a new studio opened and they needed teachers and I said a very scary yes. And six years later, teaching is my favorite feeling in the entire world. But my, my understanding of what yoga is has changed astronomically since then. And like many people, I started because I was interested in the movement. But I've learned that yoga, if you let it be, is so much more than what happens on the mat and in the physical body. And I'm going to yell that from the rooftops for as long as I live. So let's start by unpacking the word yoga. And it can be translated in a few different ways. The most common definitions are to yoke or to unite. And I like to think of it as bringing together all of the pieces of ourself and then uniting all of those pieces with all of the pieces of the universe at large. But I also like to think of it as the opposite of unity, like separation or entanglement, okay? You can think of it as the process of separating ourselves from the things that make us suffer and stop us from feeling free. So we become more of what we already are. We get to peel back all of the layers of the shoulds and expectations and stories we tell ourselves. And we get to become truly intimate with ourselves, with a capital S and then the world around us. So newsflash, 
yoga is not just making shapes with your body. Yoga in its entirety is a philosophy to conduct your whole life. I mean, the poses are obviously the part that a lot of people know and really love, but it's just one part. And that is what I'm going to explain today. So the whole philosophy of yoga is codified in what's called the Yoga Sutras, which is basically like a Bible for yoga. It's like the scriptures. And they were written by Patanjali, who was a sage who lived in India long, long ago. And in these sutras, he explains the eight limbs of yoga, which together teach you how to control your body, control your breath, control your senses, and then control your mind. So these limbs are laid out sequentially, so they all stack up to support a meditation practice, and it was thought that dedicating your life to these practices would lead to enlightenment, and to the yogis that meant breaking the cycle of karma and living peacefully ever after. So the eight limbs of yoga. Close your eyes, picture a tree, okay? It has eight branches, And again, for context, the poses are just one branch on the tree, one eighth of the yogic experience. So let's get into what the other limbs mean, what they do, and how they relate to the physical poses in yoga to create this really incredible worldview. The first limb is the yamas, and the yamas are social ethics, like moral codes, ways of being in the world, and there are five of them. So the first one is ahimsa or nonviolence. And ahimsa in summary is don't hurt anybody or anything. Okay, be kind to everybody, every mind. You are a guest on this earth and in the lives of the people around you. So don't be a dick. Next one, satya. This means truthfulness. Speak truth, seek truth live in truth okay be honest with yourself be honest with other people and remember there are no thoughts or feelings worth hiding from that's something i need to repeat there are no thoughts or feelings worth hiding from being real is more important than being nice yes compassion is important nonviolence is important but truth is most important And yes, the truth hurts sometimes, it hurts a lot, but it's the kindest thing that you can give to yourself and other people because the truth sets everybody free. Next, we have asteya, which means non-stealing. And this looks like not taking what doesn't belong to you, whether it's objects, information, energy, love, etc. Take only what is offered to you and use only what you need. So this can look like not comparing, not forcing, not trying to live somebody else's life, not robbing yourself of the gift of experiencing life exactly as it is. Next, we have brahmacharya, which is abstinence or non-excess. And historically, this is equated with celibacy. Um, The yogis were like, sexual energy is really powerful, so we're going to save that and transmute it into deeper different spiritual power but you can also look at it as just using your energy wisely directing your energy away from external desires freeing yourself from dependence and cravings it's about understanding the difference between what a need is and what a want is next we have a parigraha which is non-attachment we love this know when to let go don't grasp don't cling Don't hang on to what's not yours anymore. Let the heck go. I like to think of the quote that's like, do things 
from love, not for love, because it teaches us to focus on the action rather than the outcome, because we can't get too attached to how we want things to go. We just have to live in alignment with the value. All right, so those five points together make up the yamas, which is the first limb of yoga. The niyamas is the second limb, and it's structured very similar similarly to the first. So these are five personal practices or duties we have to ourselves to get peaceful inside. So first we have saucha. Saucha, saucha. And I'm probably going to butcher a lot of these terms. I'm so sorry to the yogis, but I'll do my best. Saucha is purification or cleanliness. Clean the heck up. Confront your bad habits, whatever they are. Become aware of them first so that you can work to better yourself. This looks like doing better when you know better. All right, next we have santosha, which means contentment. This looks like allowance, acceptance, appreciation for everything, not just the good things. This is where we resist the very human urge to want things to be different than they are. This is where we practice cultivating gratitude and satisfaction because those are things that come from inside of us. So establishing a gratitude practice can be a really good way to channel Santosha into your life. And honestly, I used to cringe when people would be like, every day I wake up and I write down all the things that I'm grateful for. But for real, gratitude is really, really important. It it interrupts anxiety. So practice seeing the things that you do have instead of the things that you don't have. Recognize the abundance of your life. Let the good in, let the bad in, let it all in because all of it is here to teach you. Next we have tapas, which is a fave. And no, not the not the small plates. This is this is self-discipline. It means heat. And this is where we challenge ourselves in order to change ourselves. Change sucks and it's supposed to. Little story time. I took a, a yoga class once and the instructor held us in chair pose for like 97 minutes. And I remember thinking, I feel like I'm on fire. And as I'm thinking this thought, the instructor goes, when you're standing in the fire, you can either break down or break open. And I was like, oh damn, you read my mind. And that's so true, bestie. Like the closer you get to the edge, the more you can see. But so often we stop ourselves from moving closer to the edge because we get scared or it hurts or it's uncomfortable or whatever. But you got to move closer to see more. And discipline is what transforms us. Consistency is what transforms us. And these things drive our own evolution and we can't get in the way of that. Evolution burns and it's supposed to. So you have to practice staying in the fire instead of running out of it just to see what happens on the other side. Next we have Svadhyaya, which is self-study. This is the part that talks about us being living, breathing experiments in this universe. So we research ourselves. We become the observer of the body and the mind. And we can see that those two things are not separate. They're a mirror to each other. The more you learn about one, the more you learn about the other. The sutra says, study yourself, discover the divine. Because we are all little little tiny universes running around, right? I'm going to say that over and over again. So our job is to become aware of all of our stuff, all the good, bad, weird, wonderful, all the space between because it is in the allowance of all of those things to exist that allows us to fully embody our self with a capital S. 
I wasn't going to get into this self tangent. I wanted to make a whole episode on it, but I'll give you a little overview now. Like there's a self with a little s and this is the ego self. This is the self that is really, really influenced by the people in the world around us. This is the self that shoulds us and tells us we need to be feeling and doing things that we don't actually need to be feeling or doing. And then there is the self with the capital S. And this is the self that is constantly trying to move us towards our highest good. This is the self that is separate from the mind and the body and everything else around us. And it's the self that only we know and we know when we feel. So self-study is meant to dig deep into ourselves, get to know the brightest and the darkest parts of yourself so that you can unify them and move closer to your biggest, baddest self in it, in the best sense of the word. All right, the next one, it's a big word. So should I even try? I'll try. Ishvara pranahana, pranidhana. Okay, let's just go with that. And this is where we surrender to the universe. As I talked about in the first episode, we plan and God laughs, okay? Life and the universe knows you better than you know yourself. It knows what you need more than you do. So you get to be an active participant in your journey and surrender to the path that you were born to walk because there are some things you can, can control, but I think the lessons you were born to live in this body are out of your control. So do your best trust the process, and remember what's yours will come to you. Your job is not to plan. Your job is to trust and remember that the solution always emerges, okay? Just watch the motherfucking movie, right? All right, so those were limbs one and two, the yamas and the niyamas. So you can think of those things together as like the 10 yogic commandments, things to do and things not to do if you want to live in peace with yourself and the world. And now the third limb, we have asana. And this is what most of us in this day and age understand yoga to be. These are the physical postures. So when we say I'm doing yoga, what we should probably say is I'm practicing asana. This is where a lot of people start and this is where a lot of people stay. They like yoga for the movement and they don't care to really let it be anything bigger. And that's cool. It's their path, their mat, not mine. So in the context of the eight limbs, the purpose of the physical postures is to train our body to be able to meditate for long periods of time. Our body is a temple, yes? So you can do yoga to get more fit or more flexible or whatever your goals are, but in the larger framework of yoga, the reason we work on the temple is to give the mind a safe place to land, a safe place to exist. Because remember, the body and mind are not separate. So when we create a foundation of self in the physical body that is strong and sturdy, but also flexible and willing, our mind can take on those states too. Pranayama is the fourth limb. This is breath control. Oh boy, I could make a whole episode about the breath. I probably will. But your breath is your superpower, okay? It is the link between the mental and the physical. It is a conversation between your mind and your body. Our breath is how we remind ourselves that we are safe. If you are breathing, you are safe. And if you are breathing, you're doing yoga. More on that later. The fifth limb is where it starts to get a little more woo-woo, but stay with me. Although if you're here, you're probably into that to some degree. But the next limb is pratyahara, which is control of the senses. 
So our senses, our physical sensations, just like the breath, they link the mind and the body together. Our senses have their own will. They're instinctual in nature. So they tell the mind what to do. So it's our job to discipline them so they don't disturb us too much. There's a quote from someone somewhere that is like, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, so inside we can want to be or do certain things, but then we get caught up by what's happening outside of us. So we have to slow that process a little bit. So we practice controlling our mental impressions of experiences. And this is like letting the sensation exist without being disrupted by it. So you can think about it as like building antibodies against negative experiences. It's like sitting in the discomfort, seeing the discomfort and feeling this physical sensation and not letting the mind be phased by it. We're, We're building immunity in the mind and making space to just experience life. And then we shift from a state of judgment and fear into a state of acceptance and allowance. Like that thing can't touch me because I am in tune enough with this strong and sturdy self to recognize that this is simply a sensation and I have the power to see the thing, feel the thing and let it go without it being this huge production inside. If you've listened to my other episodes, you've heard me talk about neutral language and this is huge when it comes to controlling the senses because through neutral language, we can start to retrain our minds to see things objectively instead of judgmentally. We practice responding to the thing instead of reacting to the thing. The sixth limb is dharana, which is concentration or like intro to meditation. And this is all about the power of focus. It's about concentrating deeply on a single thing. We bind our consciousness to one thing, one thought, one moment in time. And this is where we practice being in the right now. The ego, our ego, our our, uh, self with a little s, is the master of distraction. It spreads our thoughts into a million different directions and it tells us that we don't have space to pause because I have to do this thing and I have to think about this thing and we so often lose sight of what is actually in front of us and actually happening in the moment that we're in. So you can practice this by meditating on a specific mantra or doing a focal point meditation where you stare at a single thing and just focus all of your mental energy on it. I like to do this with um, with a candle flame. But the more you practice meditating on a single thing, the more you can start doing this with your own thoughts, which is really the key to hacking your universe because you create space between you and the thought. And in turn, you move closer to who you actually are and what is actually happening. Next limb, the seventh limb is dhyana, which is deconcentration. So this is essentially mastering meditation. It's where you've meditated so much that you achieve a state of divine consciousness where meditation is no longer something you do. It's just something that you are. It's like a lens that you can't take off and you see everything as perfect and nothing is real. You love everything and you are attached to nothing. I like to think about it like the love between an infant and a mother. It's like that for everything and everyone that is. The yogis say that the more that you seek this, the further away from you it gets. So they say you can only get here by fully practicing and embodying the six previous limbs and then this limb will find you essentially. And the last limb, the eighth limb, is samadhi. And this means enlightenment or 
absorption. You've won the game, okay? You have unified all the pieces of yourself and unified yourself with all the pieces of the universe. And this is where we have essentially transcended the self and just achieved a state of harmony for everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be. So that was an expedited lesson on the eight limbs. More on that later for sure. But the eight limbs are laid out to be this ladder, right? That we climb to reach the top. There's very much a sequential order of things and a destination. But I prefer to think of this as more of a process, as a practice. Because in this day and age, most of us aren't dedicating our whole lives to the practice. We're figuring out how the philosophy of yoga can fit into the life we already have. There's a a Buddhist proverb that says, don't try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist, use it to be a better whatever you already are. And I like to think of this yogic path in the exact same way. So you can take what works and leave what doesn't. And for a lot of people, yoga is confined to the mat. And again, that's yours to decide. But I think if you take nothing else away from the other limbs, recognize that the physical body is just one small piece of this much larger experience of being alive boom. I like to say that the mat is a mirror. It's a really vulnerable place. You have to confront a lot of stuff. I mean, you get to confront a lot of stuff. It's a really beautiful process and it's a really hard process, but we can learn so much about ourselves from observing how we exist on our mats. You're just watching the movie. You're watching your thoughts, your poses, your actions on the mat, and you're trying not to attach The way we treat ourselves on the mat is how we treat ourselves off. So pay attention to your thoughts when you fall out of a pose because you can learn a lot about how you respond to what you would call failure and that shows up off the mat. Watch your body and watch how you respond to stillness. Watch how you respond to discomfort. It puts us face-to-face with our natural primal instincts when we're faced with a bunch of different sensations. So when things are hard, do you fight? Do you flee? Do you freeze? When things feel good, do you fight? Do you flee? Do you freeze? Do you force? The work we put into our practice always bleeds into our life off the mat. We practice presence, we practice letting things feel good, we practice letting things get uncomfortable, we practice listening to our bodies and focusing on our breath, and we practice softening into whatever shows up. And again, that always shows up off of our mat. Another huge takeaway from all of this is that it's not about how the thing looks, it's about how the thing feels. The pose, the job, the person, the house. Are you focusing more on how it looks from the outside or are you focusing on how it feels in your body? Are you living for you or are you performing for somebody else? Because at the end of the day, we are all practicing all of this. The poses, the non-attachment, the truth, the breathing. I hope this goes without saying, but I am far from a perfect yogi angel princess, okay? I can teach the poses, yes. I can teach the breath and the insights and all that, but that does not mean I don't lose sight of what's right all the time, okay? I lose my breath. I go weeks without meditating. I definitely don't lean into the discomfort every time, okay? I I fall out of poses. My mind leaves my mat all the time and walks to the grocery store or wherever else. I tap out of poses that feel hard. I stay in things that are comfortable way longer than I should. I make 
very strange decisions that do not come from myself with a capital S, okay? I do a lot more fucking around than finding out sometimes. But it's all about being willing to see the thing that is happening and gently walk yourself back to the truth when you've lost it. So that was your very broad overview of the big picture of yoga. And I will do a more detailed dive into all these things in time, but that's what I'll leave you with for now just to chew on. So if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it, share it with a friend. That would mean the most. If you didn't enjoy the episode, you can keep that to yourself. Just kidding. Love you. Go be great. Go ask questions. Don't forget to breathe. Till next time.